Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Good morning. If you have your Bibles, if you take them and turn to the book of Genesis, please, with me. We'll continue our series on characters of faith. Thank you, praise team, for leading us this morning and bringing singing and worship. Children are dismissed from Children's Church. Have a great time with Pastor David today. Puppet involved, not Pastor David, but around a friend, a new friend. Uh, Genesis, we're going to start in chapter 17 here this morning as we continue. And we want to look at Sarah and her faith and walk through that together. Pray with me before we begin. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to open up your word. We pray that you would use it. Lord, to, to really stir in our hearts a deeper um, love, a deeper appreciation, a deeper commitment, Lord, to you. Um, so, Lord, we ask that your spirit would work in us and through us today. And I just pray that you would uh, help your word to come alive in our hearts and our minds. So that as we leave here, Lord, we would be ch- changed people. Lord, we would be different than when we arrived because we've had a real encounter with the true and living God. And so we pray, Lord, that you would come and move in our midst. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Genesis chapter 17, we're going to read 17 verses 15 through 21. And then we're going to jump over to 18, 1 through 15. And then we'll actually jump forward to chapter 21, 1 through 7 as well. I'll lead you through that. uh, And then we'll look at Hebrews 11. But if you would, would you stand with me in Genesis chapter 17, if you would follow along with me as I read, if you're willing and able to do so, um, stand and we'll follow along. 17, um, chapter 17, we're going to start at verse 15, all right, and we're going to read first through verse 21. It says, And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. But God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father twelve princes, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear uh, to you at this time next year. Now, if you would, jump down to chapter 18, verses 1 through 15. Chapter 18, verses 1 through 15. And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, and he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran to the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant." Let a little water be brought, and wash your feet, and rest yourself under the tree, and while I bring a morsel of bread, that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. 
So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, quick, three seahs of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, where's Sarah, your wife? And he said, she's in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, I am sure worn out, and my Lord is old. Shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did, Abraham, or why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a son? Now that I am old, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. But he said, No, but you did laugh. Now jump over to chapter 21, if you would. And we're going to read verses 1 through 7. Chapter 21, 1 through 7. The Lord visited Sarah... As he had promised, and the Lord did to Sarah as he promised. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at a time in which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah born to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. So we see this character of faith in Sarah. And you say, well... Who is Sarah? Well, we see early on in the first passage uh, that we read uh, that her initial name was Sarai, and uh, then it was changed to Sarah. And so this name change, anytime we see a name change in the Bible, there's something significant that takes place. And so we see Abraham, God has changed Abram's name from Abram to Abraham. And now Abraham, God meets with Abraham and says, hey, I'm not only changing your name, but I'm changing your wife's name too. And so her name means princess, and it's not a drastic change. And scholars debate about what, uh, what the significance is of this name change. Um, I, I do think it means from just princess to my princess. I think there's a, a, a slight change in that where it makes it personal. And so if God is making this covenant between Abraham and Sarah about bringing forth this son... And essentially, he's saying, listen, you're not just a princess, you're my princess. And so he lets uh, Sarah know that. It's a new name. It's a new beginning as they continue to move forward. And uh, again, if you know part of the story, you know that, that Sarah has already kind of taken, tried to take things into her, her own hands uh, and offered her, um, her female servant to Abraham uh, to, to give him a child through, through her. And so Ishmael is born, and we see even in the, in the one text that we read there in, uh, in chapter 17 
that says, oh, that Ishmael might be before you. And God makes it very clear. No, it's not through Ishmael that I will fulfill this covenant. While I'm going to bless Ishmael, all right, and from him will be many, many people and, and 12 princes, and from them will be great nation. He says, my promise, my covenant is going to be through you and through my princess, through Sarah. And so we see this um, with the new name, the, the terms of the covenant that he has with Sarah. Then we see in chapter 18 where there's three visitors that arrive uh, at Abraham's tent. And Abraham's looking and all of a sudden these three men come and there's been a lot of uh, debate and a lot of scholars differ on what all of that means, uh, who are these three men are. Um, I, I just want to, I'm not going to get into all that. We're going to talk about Sarah today, not Abraham and not his uh, three, these three visitors. Uh, but we do see how they're referenced and how they're recorded here for us. Ultimately, they represent the Lord. And that's their, as they speak, um, our our writer has recorded for us, the Lord has given us, that this is the Lord. They're speaking, uh, whether it's on behalf of the Lord or is it the Lord themselves. I believe it's the manifested Jesus that's come, um, that is down and meeting, uh, and you can go with that however you want as you, uh, again, study and, and uh, dig into that passage a little bit more. So we see Sarah has this interaction, but she's not necessarily interacting with these three. She's in the tent, all right? The men ask, okay, hey, where's your wife? And he's like, oh, well, she's in the tent, okay? And so she's listening. Verse 10 tells us that she's actually listening behind, behind the tent wall, behind Abraham. And so uh, uh, she hears, all right, this promise of verse 10 in the verse 10 it says the lord said i will surely return to you about this time next year and sarah your wife shall have a son and then again the end of this part of the verse verse 10 uh, sarah was listening at the tent door uh, behind him now abraham and the author helps us to realize where abraham and sarah are at this time again recalling for us now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years, and it says this phrase, the way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. And so what did she hit? She hit menopause. Those of you who have experienced that, and I praise God that that has not been gifted to me to walk through that. Uh, the way of women, I've always said women are tougher than us men, and I've seen it out in Canada and who cries first is not the women. Uh, when we're out living in the, the wilderness, it's always the men or a man who cries first. Women are tougher than us. Let's just admit it. Um, and so the way of the woman, the way of Sarah has passed. Meaning her body is physically incapable of producing a child. When a woman hits menopause, you don't have to worry about getting pregnant anymore. It's just the way your body runs. And so... You're not producing those things that are needed in order to produce a child. And the author very clearly states here, the way of a woman, meaning that monthly cycle has passed. And so Mary, or Sarah has, is no longer allowed or able um, to have a child. And so she laughs to herself, right? 
we see here that she laughs in verse 12 to herself saying, am I, after I am worn out and my Lord is old. I love how not only does she call herself old, but she calls her husband old too. She's like, listen, I'm all worn out. There's no way I can have a child. There's no way. I'm worn out. I've gotten to the end. And also too, uh, my Lord is old too. Meaning Abraham's an old dude, man. Come on. And she says this, um, uh, shall I have pleasure? Now, some people will say, oh, is that uh, a sexual pleasure? I don't think it's that. It's the pleasure of having a child. Remember, especially during this time, you're a barren woman who, who has not produced a child. You're really considered an, all, an outcast. There's something wrong with you. There's something dramatically wrong with you if you have not bore a child at the age that Sarah is at. And yet here she is. She's like, am I supposed to experience this great pleasure of having a child? And yet I'm worn out and my husband, he's an old dude, man. So Sarah laughs. And we see ultimately the name of her son, Isaac, means laughter. We see Abraham laughs too, right? Um, Abraham doesn't necessarily deny his laughter, whereas we see Sarah denies that she laughs because she's full of fear. The Lord's response to this, though, is, uh, is what? Why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? It's interesting, again, as Sarah's behind the, 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 the wall of the tent, does she laugh loud enough? Uh, that that these guys could hear, uh, maybe, but there's something more that goes involved here, and the fact that the Lord would know and, and say, "Hey, why did Sarah say this? Who did Sarah say it to? Do you think she said it out loud? She might have. I think she probably said it to herself, though. I think she's laughing. Maybe that laughter came out loud, like I'm sure it probably did." Again, you consider yourself 90 years old and that you're going to have a child, or 89, and you're going to have a child. You'd be laughing, right? <laughs> yeah, right. And I think that's what happens. And yet, here's the Lord. And again, the text tells us here, this is, this is Yahweh, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. This is Yahweh who sees all, knows all, he hears her. He knows intimately what's going on in, in Sarah's heart and in her mind. And his response is this, verse 13, he says to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard? Or you could translate that, too wonderful? Is anything too difficult or wonderful for the Lord? And then he repeats the same promise that he had already said. At the appointed time, I'm, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. And so he's repeating the promise that he's already said, and he's letting them know again, hey, you might laugh at this, but listen, is there anything too difficult or too hard for the Lord? No, listen. Next year, about this time, I'm going to show up and you're going to have a son. The appointed time. So we see Sarah 
and her response, it's almost like she comes out from behind the wall of the tent, and she's like, no, no, I, I didn't laugh. The truth is we can be real with God, all right? We can be real with God because God knows us, and he knows the truth. We see once again here throughout Scripture, and I want to make it very plain and simple today, um, that Sarah denies this because of why. Verse 15 says, because of fear. She was afraid. She was afraid of what might be done to her and the repercussions of her laughter. Fear is not the driver of our life. There is healthy fear. Don't walk out in the middle of the road. All right? Or if you have an encounter with a live bear, there are some things that, you know, should bring a little fear. But the fear of life that we have seen, especially in our day and age today, and I'll just say it, with COVID, with crime, with government, with many different number of things that are going on in our life. You and I, as followers of Christ, as believers in Yahweh, cannot be driven by fear. We can't. We cannot allow fear to control us. Sarah her focus was not on what was to come, but her focus was instead upon the obstacle, right? The obstacle of this reality that she saw, listen, I'm too old. There's no way I can do this. This is, this is, this is a nice, this is a nice joke, right? And, uh, and yet her focus was on the obstacle instead of the Lord's sovereign goodness, because the covenant that God had just made, that it was going to be from Abraham and Sarah. It wasn't going to be through Ishmael. It was going to be from a son that Sarah was going to bear. There was no more trying to figure this out themselves of how God was going to fulfill this promise through all kinds of different means. No, God clearly laid it out and he said, listen, here's my covenant between you and me, between Abraham and and Sarah and me. I'm going to give you a son. And about a year from now, I'm going to come and he's going to be born. And what do we see? What did we read? That Isaac was born in chapter 21, where it says, the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at a time in which God had spoken to him. When we look at our lives and we see um, the obstacles, there are always going to be obstacles of our life, no matter what you pursue and what you desire. Um, I remember going to college and, and, and sitting there after a semester at Baptist Bible College, and I remember my parents calling me and, uh, and just having a real frank conversation with them where, where they said, you know what, we, we don't know how we're going to pay for your next semester. Like, we, we don't have the money for you to continue in school. And so you, you may have, when you come home over Christmas break, like, you may have to stay home. And I remember they're just, 
uh, hanging up with them and just lay, laying in my bed, and I actually just started to cry. And I, I remember talking to the Lord, and I said, Lord, I thought this is what you wanted. I thought this is what you were calling me to. Because ever since my junior year in high school, I really felt that God was calling me into full-time ministry as a youth pastor. And I really felt like he wanted me to have an impact on teens and their families and their lives. And I remember just being overwhelmed with this obstacle that we didn't have the money, we didn't have the funds for me to continue what I felt like God desired and what he wanted. I don't know about you, but are you encountering any obstacles right now in your life? And let me encourage you, if you, if you aren't, um, praise the Lord for that and be ready because there's obstacles coming. It's part of his testing in our life and a testing of our faith. And, and those obstacles are often difficult and challenging. Sometimes they're small. Sometimes they're really big. We see here, this is a huge obstacle. How is Sarah going to have a child? And it's no wonder she does the, the earthly, physical thinking of looking and saying, I cannot have a child. There's no way. This is purely a joke. And yet, God says, listen, there's nothing that I can't do. There's nothing that's impossible, which comes into play as we live out our lives, as we seek to live by trust and where we place our confidence in. So when the obstacles stack up in your life and when it seems impossible, how do you respond? Where do you turn? What do you look to? How do you try to fix it? I want to take you now to what? the writer of Hebrews has to say about Sarah. So if you would flip over to Hebrews in chapter 11. And we see here just two verses that I think are tied together. Really only one verse talks about Sarah, um, but it connects with uh, in verse 11 and 12 with her, uh, verse 12 does. And so we see in Hebrews 11, verse uh, 11, it says, By faith Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars of the heaven, as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Man, what a story. What a picture that the writer of Hebrews gives us a little bit more detail. While Sarah did laugh, and while it seems, as Genesis recounts for us, this struggle of focusing on the obstacle instead of focusing on God's promise, we see ultimately the writer of Hebrews says that, listen, she received the power to conceive. She accepted what God had told her. Why? Because of this. She considered he who is faithful. The Lord God Almighty, right? Lord Yahweh who had called Abraham her husband and her and their family to call out from his family and to go to a land that they didn't know where they were going. They didn't know what was to come, but she followed her husband, obeying him and obeying the Lord. And got to this point where God had said, hey, I'm, I want to make a great nation of you. And I'm going to do that through Abraham and through you, Sarah. 
And so as Sarah considered this, she considered the God who had made this promise, this covenant with her, who had changed her name. He considered what he said, and he said, you know what? She said this, he is faithful. Could you say that today about the Lord? When you face the obstacles that are before you, you ever stop to think about and consider God and if he is faithful? Faithful not to just deliver you from the circumstances, but faithful to do exactly what he desires. To do exactly what he's promised. Paul writes for us in Philippians 1 verse 6, He who began a good work is going to be faithful to complete it. Do you believe in that promise? Do you believe that God is faithful? I'm sad to say, I think there are some, some followers of Jesus who are living life today who don't think that God is faithful to them. Because you've gotten distracted with all the things of the world and you don't see the beauty of what God has given to us. Because while all the things of the world are great, there is one thing that is the greatest that God gave to us that we needed. Do you know what that is? Salvation. See, we were dead in our sins. You, right now, if you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're headed for eternity in hell. I'm not telling you that. The Bible tells us that. I'm not throwing stones at you. I'm not judging you. I'm telling you, all of us, when we are born, we are born with the sin condition of our heart. And because of that sin condition, we deserve eternal separation from God forever. Because God is perfect and righteous. He is the creator God who places here on this earth. He allowed man to choose. Choose to obey him or choose to disobey. Man chose to disobey. Adam and Eve chose to disobey God. They did what God commanded them not to do. And because of that, that sinful nature has been passed down. So every child that is born is born with not just a sweet innocence. They are sweet when they're really little. I love holding them. That's why I sign up for nursery, but I never get allowed to serve. Susan keeps marking my name off. They're sweet and innocent, but yet they have this sinful nature in them. And as they grow, it doesn't take long for you start, to start to see that. Where they're demanding and where they are selfish and where they want what they want. Even before they can express it in words, they're, they're, they're grabbing for for the toys of their siblings or they're denying what you're telling them to do. Put your coat on. Or they run to the other room. That sinful nature is in each one of us. God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to take care of that sin problem. So Jesus took your place and my place and he took the punishment that we deserve. Just like Adam for mankind represented mankind and he failed. Jesus for all mankind represents us and he succeeded. He conquered sin and death. He died on the cross, was buried and rose again three days later. To be the full atoning sacrifice for us. To take our full punishment upon himself. God did that for us because he loved us that much. He took care of the condition that we had that we're born with so that we can enjoy eternal 
life with him, an eternal relationship. I don't know about you, and I, I struggle at times, and even just sitting there praising God and, and, and pausing and thinking, I get so wrapped up in this world and all the things that are good and, and all the things of, of achievement and trying to get things done and ready and prepared. We can often miss sight of what is of most importance. And when it comes down to it, how you view God and his faithfulness hinges upon how you see salvation. How you see God has provided for you. If you don't see that God has provided your greatest need, that's, that's the beauty of the gospel. That's why we want to continually be reminded of it. That's the beauty of it, because we see God providing in our greatest need and our greatest time where we had no ability to be able to save ourselves. God demonstrated his love towards us while we were yet sinners that Christ would die for us. When we come to the gospel, we see the beauty of God's love and how much I need him. The gospel reminds me that God is faithful. Even when I can't see it or even when these circumstances turn in such a way that I don't understand. Wait, God, you promised this, but you're doing this. Go back to the gospel. The gospel reminds us of God's goodness, of his desire to walk with us and to know us. That's the beauty of the gospel. So the gospel is where we must start. You must start in acknowledging your need of a savior. And as you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me encourage you that you look not at your circumstances, that you look not at what things are happening or the obstacles or even at what has, has happened to you as a sign of God's faithfulness. Don't look at those. Look at the cross. Look at the empty grave. Look at the spirit of the living God that resides in you and me as followers of Jesus. That's the assurance. That's where Sarah says, when I considered who God was and he is faithful, she received his power. There's so many of us who are walking throughout life who are contemplating whether God is faithful or not because we're judging it based upon our current situation. Or our current circumstances. Do I have enough money? Am I in the right job? Do I have this right person I'm dating? Life is so difficult. It's so challenging. I don't know what, what to do. He hasn't given me this. Or he has given me this. Why is he giving me this trial? This hardship? Doesn't he know I'm not capable of doing that? You know what? All I know is you go back to the gospel and God is faithful. Amen? Go back to the gospel and you'll always see that God is faithful. I know we're an hour later, but get a little excited, right? She received his power. I love that phrase that Sarah received power to conceive. It's like the gift of salvation to those who receive it. They're called children of God. God could have just said, oh, I'm going to push my power upon you, Sarah. No, the text tells us that by faith, Sarah received his power. 
while there are these obstacles, Sarah took what was said to her and said, you know what? I'm going to believe this by faith. I love what Zechariah says in Zechariah 4, 6. Zerubbabel was out and he was rebuilding the altar and the temple. Everything had been destroyed. And God wanted to encourage him and, and to keep going, to keep being faithful, even in the midst of all the opposition, in the midst of all the obstacles that he was facing. So Zechariah writes this. The Lord said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but my, by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. How did Sarah conceive a child at an age where her womb was closed? It was the work of the spirit of God. And the angel of the Lord coming to, to Zerubbabel was encouraging him to say, listen, you can try to do this with all of your strength, with all of your might, but you're not going to be able to do it. It's only going to happen through my spirit. It's almost like God wants us to take a step back and say, okay, Lord, I see all these obstacles and I'm going to trust you. You see what faith is? Um, consider Gideon. This is one of my favorite stories, uh, Judges chapter 7. We won't take the time to read it, but I'd encourage you to do it. Judges uh, chapter 7, verse 2 through 18, and verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 10. I love it because here's Gideon, and, and ultimately God promises that he's going to defeat uh, the Midianites. And, and the numbers are kind of like this. Ultimately, it dwindles down to there's 300 men versus 135,000. So 300 men versus 135,000. Which side would you put your money on? Which don't do that, by the way. I want to encourage you in our day and age where betting is such a huge deal. Don't do that. I think it's anti-biblical principle. That's my stance. Anyway, 300, 300 and 135,000. Of course you would go 135,000. This is an army. You're going out to battle. You can get 300 of the best people in the world. I don't care. No. The Lord said, hey, listen. Um, when they had 10,000 men, he said, listen, you, you got too many people. 10,000 versus 135,000? I still, I still don't like those odds. Those are not very good odds. 135,000 versus 10,000. And God said, listen, I, you still got too many people. Because they started off with 30,000. Which I still don't like those odds. So you got 30,000 down to 10,000 down to 300. And God said this, the Lord is going to rule over you. Chapter 8, verse 10. God wanted to get the glory. He didn't want Israel. He didn't want Gideon or any of his men. He didn't want them to get the glory for what they were going to do, what God was going to do. I want to remind you that sometimes God puts obstacles in our way, I believe, so that ultimately he will get the glory. So that you can't maneuver, that you can't manipulate, that you can't bring a situation upon what's happening upon yourself. You can't figure it out. I think God sometimes, and his word tells us this, uh, several, shows us this several times. God wants to get all the glory. 
And if you have a problem that, remember about how he saved us. If you have a problem with God getting all the glory, remember, go back and remember, who's the creator and who's the creation? God is the creator of each of us. He has the right to get all the glory. And so God, sometimes he says, listen, I don't want you to have to figure this out. I got a plan. And let me show you what that plan is. And sometimes that plan looks and says, man, that womb, it's dead. It's closed up. That way has passed, but I'm going to do something. Sometimes that's, hey, you got 135,000. It's okay. I'll take care of that. 300 men, I'll use them, but I don't need them. Because I want to get all the glory. As God works in our lives, be careful of the obstacles that we face as seeing them as something hindering our faith. Look at Daniel chapter 3, verse 17. We walked through that last year. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Ultimately, they say, hey, if God chooses not to deliver us, that's fine. But he's, they say this. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Who's the king? Not them. Where's their faith and trust? Who's going to deliver them? Their king, their God, the Lord. That's who they were going to serve. That's who they were going to worship in spite of any opposition, in spite of what's going on in their lives. When we look at Sarah and her faith and how God used her, and here she was to be the mother of all of these nations. And verse 12 tells us that as many as the stars of heaven, as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. You go to the seashore sometime and start numbering grains of sand. Uh, you know, I, I didn't get very far last time I tried it. I did try it once. I think I've only been to the seashore like a few times in my life, like three times. The first time I was there, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to start counting. It's ridiculous. Two questions for you today. When obstacles stack up, as you're trying to live out your life of faith, who do you trust? Who are you trusting? You, sometimes I think it's okay to laugh and to say, man, here's something else. I've done that before. When it seems like one thing after another after another and you just starts building... You're either going to cry or you're going to laugh. When you walk right now in your life and when things come down the road that are going to be obstacles for you in your faith, when they start stacking up, who are you going to trust? If you trust in yourself or you trust in another man or woman or child to provide something that only God can, you will be severely let down. Who will you trust? God is worthy to be trusted. Why? Our text tells us because he is faithful. God is faithful. And maybe you need to be reminded of that this morning. How strong is your faith? How strong is your faith? 
I love as Jesus is talking to his disciples and they're kind of discouraged. And he's like, listen, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, mountain move, and it could be thrown into the sea. I don't see very many mountains getting thrown around. People say, oh, well, that was just uh, hyperbole. And it doesn't mean that you could really move mountains. Listen, do you know our God? The, the God of the Bible says, if you have this, then you can do this. And I believe that. My, my faith may be weak and strong, but I have an account where a man asked Jesus to heal his loved one. And Jesus says, well, do you believe? And he says, I believe, but help my unbelief. And God healed in spite of their unbelief. And so I'm not asking you, and I don't think God asked for us to have this great and mighty strength of faith. Sarah was laughing at the thought that there's this huge obstacle that I'm going to have a child. All it takes is a little bit. But when you consider the faithfulness of who God is, no obstacle is too large. But don't try to fight it with your own power. Don't try to fight it without him and his armor. He tells us to put on the armor of God. He's given us the tools to live each day. And yet we walk around as soldiers in a battle without even putting armor on. So dig, dig in and do some work this week. Put on your armor. And as you walk out, don't try to fight and don't try to overcome these circumstances that require faith without going to the Lord who can help provide that faith. I believe that faith, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, I believe that the grace of God is a gift of God. The fact that I can see my need for God, the grace that's been given to me, that's his gift to me. The, the faith that you need is a gift that God desires to give you. Don't fight whatever battles that you have laid before you without him and without his armor. How strong is your faith? I believe it comes down to this perspective. Do you believe that God is faithful? He is worthy to be trusted. He's worthy to be obeyed. We live in a day and age where we want to do whatever we desire to do. And then we wonder why God doesn't show up. Why God doesn't deliver. Obey him. Trust him. Know that he is faithful. He's worthy to be listened to. To be followed. Which means you got to know his word. Dig in. It's meaty. It's hard, but it's great. Would you pray with me? Lord, at the heart of our lives is this wrestling of faith. We see this great character of faith in Sarah. characteristics of, of, of that she displayed for us that the writer helps us to understand of Hebrews says by faith Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him you Lord faithful who had promised 
Thank you, Lord, that you are faithful. I'm thankful for your promises that you've given us. I pray that as we walk throughout today and this week and the days ahead, that as we consider whether you're faithful to be trusted, faithful to be believed, faithful to follow, Lord, that we would see that you are faithful, that you are worthy of our trust, worthy of our faith, worthy to be able to lay down all of our wants and all of our desires and come humbly before your throne and to give you our lives, to give you our circumstances, to give you our relationships. You are worthy to be totally 100% faithful and true to us. We can place our faith in you, not just for eternal salvation, but Lord, for every circumstance and situation that you have for us. We believe the promise that what you have begun in us, you will be faithful to complete it. Lord, you are doing your work in our lives. May we not fight against you, but may we embrace it. Even at times when it seems so outlandish that we laugh, Lord, may we come and conclude that you are worthy to be followed and to be trusted, that we can trust you with our faith and trust you with our life that we would receive the power that you have for us, that we would live in that power. We wouldn't live in by our own power, our own might, our own strength, but by your spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, that lives in each of us as your children. May we live in that power. We thank you, Lord, that it is sweet to trust in you. Help us to do that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.